0: The Spot Track Podcast, talking sports contracts, the salary cap, and business of sports. Today's
1: edition of the Spot Track Podcast is presented by The Athletic. For sports fans, there's no better place to get breaking news, real time commentary, and powerful stories than The Athletic. With comprehensive coverage and insightful analysis built around your teams, The Athletic delivers everything you need in every sports story that matters. Download the app, follow your favorite teams and leagues, and get a personalized feed of exclusive ad free content. For access to all of these stories at the heart of the game, Visit theathletic.com slash track, S-P-O-T-R-A-C, and get 40% off your first year subscription today. Happy Monday morning. My name is Mike Trinetti. Yes, the Super Bowl is set. Yes, we're going to talk NFL, bring Scott Allen and bust out the final four offseason outlooks. And of course, recap a little bit of what we saw this weekend. But first, kind of a sneaky good baseball weekend. So uh, in my little open here, uh, you know, I'm <laughs> I'm hesitant to do so, but I have to give the Yankees some credit here sort of kind of like a, uh, a humble brag moment from the Yankees. So they did their job. Something there's a few other teams that have to do, by the way, they they got their pitcher, Jamison Tyon. It, this is a nice arm. There's a huge ceiling on this kid. Um, you know, unfortunate to have the testicular cancer situation that he has battled through. And, you know, for all intents, he's ready to round it back into form And it wasn't going to happen with Pittsburgh. You know, he was going to be the next version of Garrett Cole on that team to some degree. I'm not sure he can get to that level, but that is what the Yankees are banking on here. So you give up four B-level prospects. You know, there's no names. There's no MLB-ready talent coming back to Pittsburgh. Two of the the players were on the 40-man roster, so they were somewhat tenable. And, you know, may make an impact in the Pittsburgh organization a heck of a lot quicker than they would have in the Yankees. So that's, you know, that's why you do these deals if you're the small market team. But this is a win. This is a huge win for the Yankees for two reasons. Yeah, they had to get their pitcher. This is the projected number three pitcher to start the year. He costs you a two, 225. You know, that's gravy. He's got another year of arbitration left. And I've got the Yankees with about 2.6 million of cap space to use right now. So they do all this, right? They get Lemayhu back in the fold. They bring in Jameson Tyon. They sign Corey Kluber, and they they they're not over. There's cap space to use here, so it's a win. It's definitely a win. Severino is going to be shelled for a you know half a season minimum here. The elephant in the room is still that Giancarlo Stanton contract, and I you know at this point in time, it doesn't appear as though they're ready to pay to get rid of that. And what I mean by that is it's the old NFL move or the old NBA move where you're throwing in maybe an A prospect, maybe a high B prospect and and a Clint Frazier, you know, or a Glaber Torres, somebody ready to give somebody an opportunity to take that money off your hands. You know, can the, will the Pirates do this? Will the Marlins do this? Will the Mariners do this. There are teams that have sort of been known to do this at times. Um, but to have him as the DH basically the entire time it, with his injuries and his unbelievable amount of money left, that's going to pigeonhole this Yankees team because there are more miles to feed. I mean, this was a this was a tough offseason for them to, to to remain intact. They did you know, this is essentially why Vegas has them so high. The AL favorites. This is; These are your AL favorites. And they got solidified even more with this move, with this trade this, this weekend. So I give Cashman credit for somewhat nickel and diming this thing together, but also giving themselves a really strong chance here now. At the same time, this is the freaking Yankees. <laughs> okay. All right. This is not the Blue Jays. This is not yeah you know you know a small market or even a middle market team i understand that the george steinbrenner years are long gone and that baseball as a whole has become a more educated analytical reserved financial system i'm all for it i was calling for that 8 years ago you know these long contracts still give me pause and make me vomit but for a lot of degrees you know free agency sucks <laughs> the trade market sucks and it's because teams have sort of sort of figured it out or at least they've come to terms with the fact that hey signing 31-year-old Elber Pujols to a max deal for 10 years plus probably not going to be great value for us in the next 60 months uh, you know it's just it's a team it's a team oriented team driven leveraged league now players have very very little to say about it unless you're Mookie Betts, unless you're Bryce Harper, unless you're Manny Machado. You know, those names are dwindling now. We're getting down to where it's you know, the the early 2000s of the NBA where there were like five players that mattered and everybody else got garbage. Until some of those elite players said, "Hey, we got to take care of our own because everybody will benefit if we can bring the, you know, trickle the money down a little bit." And they did, and then they kind of went to the to the negotiating room as a league and said, "Got to figure this out. You know, we're all going to make more if everybody makes more. So instead of the top ten elite just destroying the field, let's figure out how everybody can kind of in in, in tears, bring this thing forward. And it's worked. You I know, mean, you got guys sitting three, four players down the bench making twelve, thirteen million a year in the NBA, and uh, nobody seems to be gawking at that because the eyeballs are watching that sport. So Obviously, baseball doesn't have that going for it right now. But, you know, I say that not to get off on a tangent, but that there is a serious CBA negotiation about to happen, you know, currently happening, but also really about to get there after this upcoming season to the point of where I think a lot of people assume a strike is coming. So this is why, you know, this is front and center why. The the fact that the Pirates traded Joe Joe Musgrove and Jameson Tyan and are 100% tanking, that's not even news. I mean, that's just what small markets do most of the time. They got to pick their spots. You know, Kansas City picks their spots. Miami, Tampa, they pick their spots. Most of those teams now have had to dial back. A couple years ago, they were contenders. Kansas City won. Tampa Bay almost won. Um, You know, Pittsburgh hasn't gotten there in a long time, but they're just not there. You know, once you trade Garrett Cole, Austin Meadows, Tyler Glasnow, that's it. That's it. McCutcheon's out. That, That team has been completely reshelved. Over the past 24 months, and this is maybe the final piece to that, I I would assume, you know, maybe Polanco can move, although I don't know why, but, you know, that's not the surprise. And there's really not a problem with that. I don't think many of much of the league has a problem with teams in the smaller markets going down to the bottom, you know, starting to build through the drafts some international signings. That's just how they're going to have to operate, but that's not how the Yankees should operate. That's not how baseball should want the Yankees to operate. Okay, the, 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 the lack of a hard cap in Major League Baseball and to have the luxury tax system is specifically so that the big markets, the Yankees, the Dodgers, the Angels, you know, the Cubs to some degree when they're ready, the Phillies, the big market cities, Boston, that they should, they are, they are encouraged to spend big time dollars. They are the ones that have to hold this league up Get the superstars in the big markets, market the hell out of them, pay them money. All of that is, is talkability. You know, when Bryce Harper was on the free agent market, we talked about it for months, even though there was a great NFL season happening simultaneously. When baseball doesn't have dollar bills being thrown around and or major markets doing sort of not reckless things, but big market things, that's talkable. That's marketable. Baseball is slipping away from that rapidly. And they're doing so on the precipice of a strike. So it's all bad news, in my opinion. So while I, I applaud Brian Cashman for being a smart GM, and that's what this is. I'm not trying to take that away here. He has done a, a, a marvelous job over the past five years, truthfully, to bring in the right free agents to make you know, somewhat intelligent trades, this being one of them. I wouldn't say the John Carl Stanton trade was one of them, <laughs> um, but the Araldis Chapman situation, letting him, you know, trading him away, only to sign him back—that's evil genius stuff, right there. The Zach Britton signing, the Aaron Hicks trade—a a perfectly capable top prospect in Minnesota that they got for nothing and has turned into a more than serviceable player. All right, there's been a lot of good from the Yankees here, but unless Aaron Judge goes and makes three hundred fifty million dollars this year and an, and an extension, it, it ain't enough for me. It's not enough for baseball. Okay, baseball needs the Yankees swinging big, and I understand that's pissing away a lot of money. I get it. I, I I am, (laughs) you know, my middle name is value, just of how you know the lens that I look through things nowadays. But I love this sport. I love watching this sport, and I, I kind of try to take care of it from a business standpoint. And I think it's bad business when the Yankees have two point six million of of space when they are the AL favorites. They should be really pushing the envelope, okay? We shouldn't be sitting here talking about how the Padres have gone repeatedly gone all in every month of this offseason. Now, I understand that they have to because of where they started. And many, many people feel that the Yankees are already good enough to win the AL East and get to where they have to be, and then they'll figure it out in the playoffs. You're right. That happens a lot. It's a long season. It's an arduous season. Moves can still be made. There's trade deadline moves. There's a lot of places to get this done. If you're a Yankees fan right now, do you think that Jameson Tyan and Corey Kluber are enough, or in your years of fandom, would should you be expecting more? Now, there's reports that they tried to get both Tyan and Joe Musgrove as a package deal. That would have been a great move, and you know maybe you're giving up a Glaber Torres or, or a Clint Frazier in that move. Not that those guys are top assets anymore, but uh, you know they didn't make any. MLB ready trades this offseason is my point. They didn't. And they got good pitchers with tons of upside. Corey Kluber has, you know, not much of a ceiling left. He's got to sort of resurrect something to be worth it because otherwise he is a, a he's a bad number two. If what we've seen from him over the over the past 18 months is what the Yankees are going to get out of Corey Kluber, he's a bad number two pitcher. So that I have paused there. <laughs> um this one's obviously a little bit safer in terms of the acquisition. But, you know, there's questions at number four, there's questions at number five. And if Kluber's not Kluber, there's questions at number two. So if in saying all of that, have the Yankees done enough to earn their favorites in the AL commendation, but also to hold up the idea that they are supposed to be the big swingers in this league? You know, the Dodgers have taken a couple of years off, but they've always at least taken care of their own. Right? Justin Turner's been overpaid, but also paid him back for it. You know, Kershaw probably isn't worth near what he's making right now, but he has his moments and there's a legacy feeling to that. And then they go and do the Mookie bet situation. Okay. And there's a lot of people that thought, okay, the Frankie Lindor is going to be the Yankees version of that. He's going to come in. It's going to be like the Yankees of old. We'll give up a ton to get that guy in, pay him $300 million. He's going to be our new centerpiece. Okay, we're gonna like like guys like Gardner Walk. We're gonna save some money there. You know, we'll we'll find find a taker for Stanton. We'll get rid of some of our, 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 you know, our our better prospects to get him off of our payroll because that's actually a good business move at this point. Understanding you made a mistake because, like I said, I think Aaron Judge is getting two fifty plus here soon. Could be right now. (laughs) Um, So they didn't do that either. You know, the Mets outbid them for that if they were in at all. We'll see. You know, there's no Harper here. There's no Machado here. I don't know if that big swing and miss contract is coming outside of Aaron Judge. And I, I'm, not, I'm not an idiot here. I understand that they may have enough to win the World Series with what they've got. But this to me, this is more than just the Yankees. This is about baseball. The Dodgers are holding their own, both from a intelligence standpoint, an analytical standpoint, and a big market standpoint. They're doing their job there. Now, Garrett is a big contract. Giancarlo Stanton can't be their second big contract because he's, he's not worth half of it, not half of it. So it, to me, it is on the Yankees now. And I think it's from a pitching standpoint, yeah, based on what we've just discussed. When is, gonna, when is that big swing coming? When is the swing that says, oh, right, this is the Yankees. This isn't the Royals. This is the Yankees. because the signings and the moves they've made kind of resemble that bid market team. Something the twins could have done in an offseason, you know, something the White Sox have done before. There's, there's a lot of people thinking that what the White Sox did this offseason, by the way, is better than the Yankees right now. So we'll see. You know, I, I'm probably gonna have foot in mouth here by July when the Yankees are way up in the AL. But again, this is not about a 2021 roster. To me, this is about better bettering the game. Understanding that people want to watch the Yankees, people will watch the Yankees on Sunday night baseball on a Thursday night game. And if there's star power, if if there's must-see star power because the Yankees have swung big, it's just better for the game. It's better for the talk shows. It's better for the baseball shows. It's better for the podcast. It's better for everybody. Because uh, that's a big, important part of this as we head towards this possible strike how do we get butts and seats eyeballs on tv screens and sort of resurrect the popularity of this game they're going to try to change the the game you know seven innings all that stuff it's going to have to eventually but to me an easy an easier start would be how about the yankees just start being the yankees again that little bit reckless swaggery a little bit arrogant you know not so sensical <laughs> a little less logical And I realize what I'm saying out loud, but you understand, I think at this point, we just need these guys to do a little bit more, not only for their own roster, but just for the betterment of baseball. All right. Let's bring in Scott Allen, talk a little bit about this NFL weekend and what's to come. Today's episode is also brought to you by the online betting guide. Do you consider yourself an NBA expert, knowledgeable in stats, trends, plays, and injuries? Prove your skills against other knowledgeable basketball fans in olbg.com's NBA Pick'em Contest. Enter for free and share your NBA picks to win cash prizes. There's 15 cash prizes given away every month, totaling $130 in prize money. OLBG.com is a sports betting community where expert handicappers share their predictions to compete for top places while at the same time helping others make informed betting decisions. Show them what you got today. Visit OLBG.com. Scott, welcome to the OLBG hotline. Happy Monday morning. Happy Super Bowl sort of week, two weeks. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you geared up for the Madden Pro Bowl? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Absolutely not.
1: I'm going to give it a look because I think the idea is right.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah, I will. I'll give it a look, see how it is, but yeah. we'll see how long that lasts.
1: Yeah, exactly. Kansas City minus three at minus 122. You can get plus 100 to take the Bucks at plus three, which is exactly basically where they were against the Packers. Hit me.
0: Yeah. Um, that, that Tampa defense, if, if they can play like they've been playing the last few weeks. It's exactly weeks, the um,
1: right conversation.
0: It is. Because it of is, the offensive because,
1: line issues of the Chiefs. How can correct. you not? That's the only conversation to have here. And you should bet Tom Brady. Bet Tom Brady yes. and bet that defensive line. And don't even look back. If you lose, you lose. Over under 56.5 means they're going to throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, and there's no question. That is the most reckless we have ever seen Tom Brady, Scott. I have never That's seen it. those moon balls out of him in 21 years. No, no. He, where, where was the throwaway? Where was the throw it into the ground because they're rushing me and I got nowhere to go? He was so... Don't give an F yesterday. He, it's, it's just a different world. It's a different Tom Brady. He's going to He's going to have picks. He's going to be aggressive. He's going to be more aggressive than the guy across the street from him. And I realize that guy is Patrick Mahomes this week or next week, but I, wh- why bet against Tom Brady?
0: It's it's hard to bet against them because of the track record, the, you know, being the goat that he is, you know, it's just one thing after another. But then again, on the flip side, Mahomes now has two weeks to really heal yeah. that toe as much as possible you know, he whatever they did, they really made that foot operable as much as they could because you, you, he had a slight limp, but not enough. And he was able to at least scramble out of the pocket enough to make the plays that he had. to. So make. how bad
1: was Aaron Rodgers turf toe then? <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh,
1: we won't go there. Go ahead. Uh, no. So would you lean Tampa yeah. here? Oh. With the points, um, I mean, I don't think the money line is in play at this point. Plus Plus one forty, if you love it, though.
0: I I think I would lean Tampa Bay for the fact that um, that defense has really kept them in these games. And, you know, when, when Tom needs to, he can throw the ball. Yeah. And they have they really do have the kind of weapons that Kansas City has. You know, That's they've fair. got Godwin. They've got Evans. They have a two-pronged running back when you need to, even though they more so went to Fournette. And then on Kansas City side, you've got Hill, you've got Kelsey, you've got. What did you think of the tweet
1: I put out last night about that? About how? Oh, I didn't even see it. About how Mahomes, Hill, and Kelsey are the closest thing the NFL has right now to to like an NBA big three.
0: Yeah, you're right. I mean,
1: those three can single-handedly win a game on a fifty three man roster, which is just not it's not normal, and it's I'm not saying this is the first time it's ever been like this. I mean, the Dallas Cowboys had this a bunch of years back. You know, a couple of those Patriots teams did have kind of a three headed monster. Um, but it just feels like watching this against good teams, if not great teams, Hill is constantly open or they're designing plays to get him the ball to make him you know allow him to get space. And Travis Kelsey can do whatever the H he wants anywhere on the field. And there's not a linebacker or a safety in this game that can stop him. So it just feels you know, LeBron, Bosh, Wade-ish, doesn't it? It feels like at any point in time when the ball's on Kansas City's side, any one of those players, and Mahomes can do it himself, of course, too, when he's healthy. So any one of those players can, can, can literally change the game. And that's not normal.
0: No, it is not normal. Kelsey, every time the ball was thrown to him, he had nobody around him. You know, I, I don't know what the Bills were doing as far as defensive play calls, but Kelsey was all over. And we we were having a conversation in our household about him. And I said, Kelsey's at like 100 and every other tight end in the entire NFL is at a 50 and below. He's just that far above everybody else right now. And he, he just is that game changer, whatever Tampa Bay is going to scheme up for in two weeks, you, you, you're going to have to pick and choose. I don't think they're going to be able to cover both of them, uh, meaning Hill and Kelsey, but you, you may have to contain Kelsey first and then just deal with Hill if you have to.
1: Yep. No question about it. Um, Boy, the, uh, the Kelsey situation is so interesting because, well, here, I'll say it this way. We're both from Buffalo. Let's put that out there. It's, that's pretty well known at this point. So we, we had a rooting interest yesterday, of course. Here, here's how I'm going to walk away from this game, Scott. I think Leslie Fraser tanked yesterday. Because he wants Eric Bemis to get that Houston job, so that this Chiefs team is a little less powerful for the, for the next couple of years, and the Bills actually may have a chance to win this AFC. What do you think about that?
0: Is that the worst take you're going to hear today? No, because I'm, I, you know, I actually thought of this from the Green Bay standpoint of maybe Green Bay didn't the Bills didn't go- tank yesterday. <laughs> Well, I, I I, in my mind for 30 seconds, I did think that, you know, not that the Packers were tanking, but in the mind of we're not going to go for it. And then all the, you know, the conversation of, you know, Rogers and not going for it. And then, you know, we started off the season with Rogers, not, um, you know, them having drafted Ugh. a quarterback and gone all through that. You know, I don't I, we don't have to go down that road today, but, you know the 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 game plan and the scheming you know we saw on the loser side between Green Bay and both losers the buffalo bills yeah no question the, they the, the the scheming was not there now Al- allen i think at some point in the beginning he started to get some of the the jitters out but as the game progressed, he went back to his old ways of I need to do everything possible, and then started throwing into triple coverage, double coverage, trying to get into a hole that didn't exist, um, and just sort of throwing it up, sort of like Tom was doing at some <laughs> instance where he's yeah. just moonballing it and hoping something was going to happen. But you, you, you saw the Bills make a change quickly as far as. Singletary is not working. We're going to Yeldon because we can at least dump to him and let him run. Yeah. I, so I get that. But from the defensive standpoint, their their zone coverage just was not working. And Kansas City's man defense was smothering everything that Allen needed to to do to throw the ball. Yeah, so I don't think, uh, down-
1: you know, I, I think a lot of a lot of the shows are going to beat it to death today. And I get it. That's what they do for a living. But that's just a better team. It is true. I, it, it is. I mean, it was LeBron-esque. It, we kind of discussed this, Scott, how they kind of put people to sleep the past couple of weeks, just kind of coasted through week 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, knowing what was coming, trying to preserve some bodies. And when they needed to turn out, turn it on and really ramp up some of that play calling, boy, was it all there for them. I mean, they could do whatever they wanted to do today. They had the, they the Bills defense completely off guard. Kelsey was literally wide open on a half dozen plays. He had eight catches in the first half. Um, and all I could think about, because I did that prop show with Dan, cousin Dan, um, it, it's like Vegas had this thing read days ago. I mean, Travis Kelsey mm-hmm. almost had the 10 catches you know, in a half an hour. Tyreek Hill had 150 yards in a half an hour. I mean, this thing, in terms of big player props, I hope a lot of you did well up there. Allen, 88 yards rushing. That was something I talked about religiously last week. And the first thing I talked about, and I guess we'll transition now. The first thing I talked about, Scott, was to me, the the best player prop sitting out there right now, I think it was like plus 400, was Aaron Rodgers, nine and a half rush yards. And I said to Cousin Dan, that's one scramble. That's all that is. If that front four of Tampa gets comes up the middle, like I think they're going to do all day, and he rolls out of the pocket and scrambles, all he needs is one of those and he covers that prop. Well, there was a pretty, uh, <laughs> a pretty good time for him to cover that nine and a half yards, Scott. And, uh, you know, he could have got at least seven on that scramble. I'm not sure he could have got it to the end zone because Shaq Barrett was there. But what are your thoughts? What in the world? I don't want to kill the coach and I don't want to kill Aaron Rodgers. So let's preface it that way. And we will talk right. about the offseason here. That's the point of what we're doing here. But was it just a lapse? Was he just trying to do too much in terms of the passing game there? It just seems like the the, the rush, the scramble wasn't even an option for Aaron Rodgers.
0: Yeah, and it probably should have been. It, it, again, it goes to the play calling. Maybe they... Here, let, let's go this route. The, they probably did not put it in their game plan and want to do so because they knew... Tampa Bay's rush defense was top three or whatever it was at that point. Yeah. So, um, you know, they, they probably knew that if they were going to win, they were going to have to throw the ball, especially when uh, Winfield was was out. They, they thought maybe they had a little bit more of a, a leg up where they could throw the ball. And they have some of those, you know, playmakers that if they get it once, they can – they can go for 50 yards, which happened a few times, but you know they they sort of ab- abandoned the run game altogether. I mean, I'm looking at the stats right now. Jones only had six carries, Williams had seven, and Dylan only had three. They got their butts kicked. Had a, I mean, they got they got and, banged up, hurt. I, I, there's no question. Tampa Bay
1: is outstanding in terms of the run stop on that front four. So I get it from that point. And I understand what you're saying that the scheme just wasn't built at all for that. But that was a broken down play, and we've seen Rodgers do this before. But again, oh yeah, the fact that Vegas had it at nine and a half, which was literally the first thing that jumped off the page to me. Again, it, they had this thing read. for some reason, and maybe it's maybe it's a track record with Rodgers, either in these big games or lately, he just doesn't do that. You know, maybe after that, um, that that collarbone shot. Which was on a rush, which was on a scramble. Maybe you know his agent and him and and the coaching staff have got together and say, "Okay, we're all done with that now." You know, maybe there's a conscious effort to say he's not going to be doing that anymore. He's too valuable. We'll find yards elsewhere. Uh, I'm gonna. I like to think that's where we are. And it wasn't just a mental lapse. However, what Roger said after the game, I'm not bringing Jordan Love into this conversation. To me, that's dead in the water. Uh, Yes, that should have been a defensive tackle or a tight end or whatever. That, that should have been somebody else. There's no question about it, but, but let's put that behind us. But Roger's saying that his, his future is uncertain. That, to me, that has nothing to do with trading him or the Packers moving on from him for Jordan Love. Why would there be any indication of that? Why, why would anybody even think that at this point? For one, his contract isn't friendly unless you can trade him, which I, I don't know. I don't know, you know, and and two, Jordan Love has seen zero snaps, zero. You're just going to hand this NFC championship team to Jordan Love with zero snaps. That ain't Patrick Mahomes on the bench over there. Okay. It's just not. So I I interpret that and I I love your thoughts as well as, you know, I've had a great career. I'm going to be 38. I made a ton of money. This or, this organization has done well to me. I want to leave while I'm still pretty darn good, and I'm going to win an MVP. I, th- I wanted to get all the way to the Super Bowl. It didn't happen. I've lost three straight NFC championships. You know, enough's enough for me. I got other things I can do. I can host Jeopardy. I can I can you know be on television more, way more. I mean, he's that kind of guy. He he's a he's got he's a heady guy, and heady guys don't stick around too long outside of Brady, who's just an anomaly. But to me. That the the way that game ended, which was a mental lapse both from Rogers and from the coaching staff, there's no question about it. Tied together with everything I just said, would be pr- a pretty good reason to think, hey, I, I, maybe I'm freaking done. <laughs> That's it. Maybe I'm freaking done. All right, Th- that was a big mistake by Rogers and a big mistake by Matt Lafleur. There's no question about it. I, to me, that sentence says I'm thinking about retirement. It's a it's a Roethlisberger, you know, going to progressions, kind of a reactionary thing. But I don't think for once that Green Bay is thinking about trading Aaron Rodgers right now. I think this is Aaron Rodgers saying... Because you're going to have shows today, Scott, try to dissect well, who he means. Well, who does he want out? Does he want the coach out? Does he want the GM out? Well, if you look at the the piece I put out this morning, Scott, this off-season outlook, the, the Packers have the least amount of free agents of any of these four teams. They are the most secure team coming back. Now, they can make some defensive cuts, but... You know, it's not like Devontae Adams is out the door, and you know Bakhtiari is out the door. No, I mean their core is here, and Aaron Jones has already been replaced by AJ Dillon on this roster. So, you know, he's not foreshadowing 15 free agents walking out the door. They're not going to fire the coach. So it's got to only be about his own personal decision. Uh, your thoughts? Oh,
0: yeah. There's a lot. <laughs> I mean, I, you you just spout out. Every scenario that you know you can probably think of, I, I I can't see him retiring yet. I think he still has some stuff in the tank. Maybe he's got a chip on his shoulder. You know, when you lose a game like that at the end, is is, is as it was. You know, you you may say things that you may regret in some cases. <laughs> I, I think he I think he's a calculated guy. So I, I think he's said it in a calculated manner, but you know, maybe the writing's on the wall that, you know, he wants out. There's other issues in the Packer organization that he just wants to go to another team, or maybe he was just exhausted from, you know, the off season and having love and all the things that went on and, you know, the, the cryptic messages that went on during the off season. But then again, he's, said that he wants to finish with the Packers. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's, it, it is, it, it's a touchy situation either way. I'm I, not going to, I'm not going to guess whether he's on the Packers or not yet. Um, well, no, we have I, I'm to gonna give it a, f- that's part
1: of, the, that's part of the game <laughs> we're playing here, Scott. Retired the week one Packers okay. starter or a week one starter somewhere else. Rank them, um, rank them one through three.
0: Okay, I'm going to say retirement is third. Okay, Um, I'll go. Going chalk here. Yeah, I am. I'm going to say he's going to be starter for the Packers next year. Trade number two, retirement third. Do you have a trade team?
1: I do. I think the 49ers will be the the sexy choice, but there's a better offense out there. There's a better offense who, with a quarterback upgrade, could be scary good, I think. And look, we just saw Tom Brady leave a, a terrible set of weapons for a phenomenal set of weapons, and it worked out gangbusters. And that, mm-hmm. and that move never works. Veteran quarterback going to new team never works. It just worked.
0: But especially a free agent quarterback. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. It
1: never works. <laughs> um, I, you got a roster out there? An offense that that you think he could slide into? It's cold weather.
0: A lot. You're of not. Fun. You're not. You're not alluding to the Detroit Lions. No. Nope. Stafford. No. 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 Um, I don't know. I mean, because of the carousel that they are, Washington stands out yeah, because they need a quarterback. That's a B option for sure. I think it, it I think is. they're more in the I Stafford
1: conversation than anything. But yeah.
0: Um, no, I'm getting them out
1: of the NFC too, which would be good for the, uh, the the Packers, of course.
0: No, no. Give it, give it to me. Who who are you thinking?
1: Uh, Denver Broncos, sir.
0: Oh, wow. Yes. That would be, oh, wow.
1: Mm -hmm. An organization that that has done this before has built up this team from the draft. They've got loads of wide receivers on rookie contracts. Melvin Gordon on a cheap free agent contract. They could re-sign Philip Phillip Lindsey, but, but they probably go into the draft for that. Uh, you know, they just re-signed the left tackle. There's a lot of good there. There's a lot of good there. That's a team. If, if there's going to be a trade with Aaron Rodgers, I'm not saying this is going to be a thing, but if it's going to be a thing, that's the team I identify. That's the mm. best set of weapons that Aaron Rodgers could slide into immediately. And the, and the, the organization kind of fits too. Just kind of feels right, even though I'd hate to see him leave Green Bay.
0: Yeah. I I, I that is an interesting option. Um, Denver does have the ninth pick. So yeah. whether you'd have to throw the ninth pick in there to now nah, they need to, a lot of defense. Get, they, well, I, I you'd do. throw Drew
1: Lock in, first of all. <laughs> I mean, that's what you do. You throw in Drew Lock in some picks, but yeah, um, yeah, I that's the one that stuck out immediately after all this talk started going. I just don't think that's where we're going to get to. I don't. I think he walks away before he just doesn't have to. I mean, he's got a guaranteed roster. There's some stuff coming, well, but you know, the money's already been made. He's got God, the State Farm money's got to be ridiculous. You know, I just think he can probably walk away from this at this point. That's my, that's where I'm leaning.
0: Yeah, yeah, he could, and the. Green Bay staff has had at least a year to see Jordan love You're right. in, they know in something. practices. So they they'll know one way or another. And if we watch the tea leaves very closely, as far as maybe what moves they do in free agency or rumblings that we may hear as we get closer to the draft, if Rogers hasn't retired before then um, we might be able to sort of follow the the line of what the Packers may do, but internally, they probably know we we want to go the love route right now because we think he can take over if Aaron leaves. Sure. If if not, then it it may behoove them. <laughs> you know how to... pissed off
1: Packers fans are going to be if Rodgers leaves <laughs> and Jordan Love is not the quarterback. Like, what if they go and uh, sign Andy Dalton? <laughs> yeah, Green Bay's going to freaking riot after they, that draft pick. I mean, that yeah. that's the problem they have is that they put so much gumption into that pick. And it's it's ruffled
0: so many feathers. It better freaking work out, <laughs> you know. <laughs> All right. Yeah, and if and if last thing I'll say is if they feel that love is the guy and Rogers still wants to play, then it it may be a situation where they have to pull a Kansas City move where we need to trade Rogers now so that we can at least get some assets now and not have to take on a, as much dead Scott, cap because unless, unless Rodgers is,
1: is Deshaun Watson and himself out of there, you don't trade this guy. I mean, we talked about this with big Ben a couple of weeks ago. You just don't do that. You don't do that. You, 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 give him the keys here. You have to, there's been, there's so much equity built up here. And, and by the way, he's a pretty sensitive dude, Rogers. There's no question about that. So whatever you're going to do, you got to run it through him. If he wants out, you can honor that request. But if he if he wants to be the week one starter in 2021, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> and there's not a single person in that Packers front office that can stop it, in my opinion. So uh, yeah, and
0: they've done a they've done a great job of having the same consistent starting quarterback for I'm uh, looking at their, for I'm the, looking at their, their lifetime. Yeah, I'm looking at their starting quarterbacks right now, and once they figure out their starting quarterback, right. they are good for a, a a lot of time outside of looks like in the 70s they were back and forth a bit. But outside of that, once they have a quarterback, they're they're pretty set and pretty solid for the most part. So, yeah. I mean, I, hopefully their, their coaching staff can figure out what route they're going to go and Rodgers figures out what route he wants to go and we can – I'll put it behind
1: us. All right. Let's quickly run through some of these off seasons. Packers have about negative 27 right now based on the cap dump. Uh, They've got about 45 guys under contract. So there's work to do. Um, You know, Rodgers walking away would help, but I think they're going to cut a couple of defensive players to get themselves cap neutral. There's some restructures they can make. Like I said, the the free agent list isn't huge. Aaron Jones is maybe the most notable notable name. I, I think he walks. There was a time when I thought maybe he'd get a franchise tag, but I'm not even sure that's tenable right now, because of uh, just what they can do. I mean, Jamal Williams is also a free agent, so that's of note. It leaves AJ Dillon as kind of the the lone horse in that running back arsenal. If you can bring back Jones on a cap friendly deal, I guess you'd do that. You know, maybe a Melvin Gordon type deal, two for sixteen, but I think he's worth a hell of a lot more than that. He's a pretty dynamic player i think you let him walk <clears throat> test the market see if somebody wants to overpay for him you can re-sign williams at a way cheaper rate than you would have ha- have jones and you know that one two punch of williams and aj dillon should be just fine for the packers going forward cory lindsley the center is probably a bigger situation uh that's an extension i expect to happen especially if roger stays seems like that was fine um you know Although if centers are, do hit the open market, the Ravens are most likely <laughs> in the market. There's no question about that, Ravens fans, right? Other than that, there's a couple of defensive players that hit this list. Kevin King, the cornerback, who got significant playing time. Like I said, I think there's going to be a semi-overhaul over, on the defensive side because there's some overpriced players and they are in a bit of cap hell. Not not terrible. I mean, they can get out of it pretty quickly, but they're as it currently stands, they're not you know cap neutral, that's for sure. So... A little bit of movement, but this is easily the smallest list of these big four teams in terms of notable offseason free agents. So we'll see some movement. Obviously, the Rodgers stuff is going to drive the entire offseason, though. So obviously, keep an eye in there. Scott, why don't you take the uh, the Buccaneers? We'll finish off the NFC here. What do we got for them in terms of the offseason?
0: Yeah, it looks like they're they're actually they have cap space right now based on the 175 cap, which is surprising because, you know, with that much cap reduced, they have about 20, almost $29 million in space right now. So they could do some damage. I'm sure that they're going to have to. Don't let it do fool some you. Extensions here Don't let it fool
1: you, man. Um, Only 30 guys yeah. under contract, Scott.
0: Yeah. And, and like you have, you have here, Chris Godwin's got probably going to be a, an extension candidate. So some of these guys that you have as free agents or, you know, they're going to eat up some of that space. I would assume with extensions or signing them ahead of time, but they're, probably going to have to resign some of these or bring in some new, uh, defense. Uh, you got some guys who are getting up there, you know, Sue's 34, even though he still is commanding, you, you, they're probably going to have to do some sort of upgrade with that, that defense. Um, and, and then, you know, the weapons let's go through for him. Tom, let's go through them. Does, God- does Godwin come back? Yeah, I think you have to. I think you do. Yeah, so you're going to have
1: two really high-priced wide receivers then. I mean, that's okay with you?
0: I I am because you know what? Tom Brady is probably, if he likes... That's right. That's that's exactly right. (laughs) He's never had high-priced, awesome wide receivers on New England. So for one more year that Tom is under contract, if you have to bring Godwin in and structure it however you need to... Just flat-out tag him, Scott. Yeah, if Brady that,
1: likes him, that's, the tag—he's worth basically what the tag is going to be. Just tag him, just tag him if you have to. i, I like him enough to keep him, uh, but I'm with you on that, Scott. I might align him with Brady's contract if Brady likes him. Yeah, because you don't want to kill yourself then, for three years if you don't have to.
0: And then the other wide receiver that's the monkey on the wall is Antonio Brady's Brown. roommate. You know, yeah, he, <laughs> yeah. It, Brady pushed to have him on there. He at the end of the season, he did contribute and had some touchdowns there. So do you bring them back? And if so, at what price? Because
1: um... I have to imagine Brady's going to demand that he's he, he demanded it in New England. He demanded it when he came to Tampa Bay. Uh, I have to imagine he, he's going to have to tell, you know, A.B., you're going to have to take like eight million, man. <laughs> you are going to have to be Edelman and, and take a ridiculous contract to come and uh, be a service book slot guy for me. There's no question, Scott. He's coming back. Here's two names I want from you, though. Fournette, 26 years old. Ronald Jones can ball. What happens to Leonard Fournette? Does he walk?
0: I think he walks. Me too. And he can command. Me too. uh, He he showed that he can still be a dominant force as a running back. And a team that needs something like that is going to go after him. So I think for for (laughs) him... (laughs) for for his sake and his agent's sake he walks to see what the market offers him and if he can get an offer that you know is substantially more than what the buccaneers may offer then you you go that route especially how we've seen the devaluation of the running back and yada 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 you know i i think he walks and sees what he can get and if not you go back to the Buccaneers at whatever sure. price that they're offering because you know the system. You know um, Tom is there. You know whatever else is already there in place. So and he's twenty six. He's uh,
1: twenty six. So he know he knows, and every the world now knows that this is a two year deal max in terms of guarantees. Might not even right. be that. I mean, you're not you're just not going to age twenty. Le'Veon Bell fell off an absolute cliff. Twenty eight years old, one of the most dynamic players in the history of that position. Fell off a cliff at twenty-eight. So, (laughs) just you're not doing it. You're not paying a guy guaranteed money into age twenty-nine. So, he's getting two years. It it might look like a Melvin Gordon's deal if he hits the market. It might look a lot more, but I I don't know why it would. I mean, that's just sort of the going rate right now for guys that age who are allowed to walk onto the open market. Chris Carson's going to be out there. Aaron Jones is probably going to be out there. There's options. So, you know, when there's supply, the uh, the pricing definitely comes down. Miami could use him. Houston could use him. There's teams. The Jets could use him. So there's going to be teams in play for his services. He did enough this year in that Brady offense to show he's a dynamic guy. I just think with the miles to feed here, he falls off this roster. He's probably one of those guys that falls off. What about Gronk? Is it going to be another Brady move? You
0: know, he only had one catch. The only reason you would bring him back is to act as that. Just making you know, the quarterbacks coach, extra right? Extra blocker. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you bring him back to be Put a body in, in front to 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 to, to block um, because he's not he's not really contributing to yeah. the passing game as far as you know making catches outside of the the one reception he had yesterday for twenty nine yards. Um, and, and oh, by the way, but,
1: o, OJ Howard has missed almost this entire season, and he's got a fifth yeah. year option next year. Now he's a trade candidate, but. You know, I think the Bray Howard duo is more than tenable for this offense. Now, if you trade OJ Howard and you bring back Gronk on whatever Howard was about to make six million or change or whatever, you know, even that feels like an overpay for Gronk right now. You know, if he's just a blocking tight end, which he's damn good at, by the way, what you're saying is valid. I just think it's going to have to be for the cheap. I mean, this cap space is going to diminish quickly. Okay, unless they really start to restructure a bunch, and they can they can extend their left tackle, they can extend JPP, they can even extend Tom Brady. And I want to put that out there that that is not is that silly in your head, off the top of your head, Scott? He's got one year left. It's a it's a twenty seven ish. I think it's a twenty seven million dollar cap, and maybe even a little more now. You know, there's no dead money going forward. The Patriots and the Saints and, and those teams that have those high profile quarterbacks, they've been they've been extending with dummy years right? Let's lower our cap it on this guy now throw some dumb ears. We're okay having 11 million a dead cap whenever this guy has to retire. To me, that's how the, the the Buccaneers should be operating. And they don't do this, by the way. They are a non-signing bonus team. They are a non-dead cap team. So it's going to take some, some, some really uncomfortable business moves from Tampa Bay to get creative. But Tampa Bay has never been in this position. At least it's been decades since they've been in a position, this current front office at least. So... I think Brady's going to have to not only bring some football acumen to this, but also some Patriots business acumen to this conversation. Hey, you know, lower my cap hit, throw me a signing bonus. Let's push some things down the line a little bit because I want Godwin back, because I want Shaq Barrett back. I want to make sure that both of our sides have balance. Uh, I think Brady getting a, a Patriots type two year extension here is completely on the table. And oh, by the way, he looks 28. Okay. Tom Brady made that throw to Scotty Miller where Philip Rivers can't make that throw. Drew Brees can't make half of that throw. Ben Roethlisberger can't make, can't make that throw anymore. But 43 year old Tom Brady stepped up in the pocket and threw a laser beam across his body to the back corner of the end zone in perfect mode. It's just not going away. So if you need to lower Tom Brady's cap hit and give him an extension, go right ahead.
0: Oh, and oh, by the way, if you do that, he'll be able to get to his age 45. 45. He's been talking about question. He's not joking around with us, people. No, he's not. (laughs) Not
1: at all. All right. Let's move to the bills uh, who got their A's kicked yesterday. And there's no really other way to say it. The offseason's pretty good for them. Similar to a Packers where there's some pieces here and and I'll start. It's the offensive line. There's no question about it. The the right side of the offensive line is is an issue. It was an issue kind of during the season. And they kind of piecemealed it together. Cody Ford, their their draft pick from a few years ago, he's been average at best. He got injured this year. My guess is they're going to move on from him, or at least shelve him into depth. So they have to replace the the right guard and the right tackle, Daryl Williams, also a, 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 and a free agent here. Not to mention Feliciano, who filled in for um, Cody Ford at times this year. So there, there's some pieces that are set for free agency. There's some pieces that are probably not good enough to retain. My guess is that's exactly where their first round pick is going is to some sort of tackle slash guard to fill out the right side. If they want to bring these guys back for depth, they're both, you know, they're both 28 years old, Williams and Feliciano. I think they both like being here. Feliciano was the guy who stood up for Josh Allen yesterday (laughs) as that game got chippy. So there's probably some Bill's mafia love for that guy. Uh, You know, they're going to have to take some pay cuts to come back in depth roles. But my guess is there's going to be some players that want to be on Buffalo. In the next couple of seasons. So it's going to be easier to fill those holes than in Bill's teams of past. Let's put it that way. And then the big name, Scott, is Matt Milano. He's the, uh, the horizontal linebacker who you know has had success rushing the passer. He's got some sack production. He, he's kind of that Shaq Thompson mold, uh, you know, 13, 13 and a half, 14 million a year, almost a Quan Alexander type as well. So we're seeing these guys get pretty good coin Um, Milano's got injury issues. issues. Otherwise, I think he's already extended on this team. My guess is Buffalo lets him go and and price elsewhere. But look, he's valuable. The the games he missed, the Bills were bad. The Bills could not maintain tight ends. Not that they could yesterday, but that's a different story. (laughs) But they could not maintain tight ends. They could not stop the run game as well. He's got value on this team. There's no question as the agent is going to bring that to the table. Do you just do this? Because outside of Milano, Scott, it's Josh Allen who's going to get paid this offseason. And that's kind of a no brainer at this point. So if you got to pay Matt Milano, you know, four for 52 or four for 55, two, two years guaranteed, I don't think you're going to gawk at that, even if he misses four games next year with an injury. I think it's just something you do because it's not $20 million a year, you know, it, it's, it's not a position of power in terms of price. So while it's maybe a little bit reckless, I think Buffalo can stand to be reckless here because they're gonna do a lot through the draft this offseason, make that one extension. If you if you want to wait on Josh Allen, I don't think Josh Allen's gonna be banging down your your door for a contract. It just seems like that's going to happen. Do you agree with that?
0: Yeah, I do agree with that. And as far as Milano, I agree with that as well. It, the Bills, it, you know, it it's more. They have the opportunity to A sign him and B because of the injuries that he's had, they can possibly structure the deal in a way where maybe it has incentives or something where it's more team friendly. But I agree. He he was a difference maker when he was on the field with Edmonds. And, you know, if if they can at least retain him going into the draft, you know, they're they're good on they're wide receivers. I'm sure they're going to get some depth in that. But they have a lot of weapons there that they that they haven't had in years. So at least they don't have to really focus on that area. They, can, I think in the draft, they're going to be able to focus on the depth of, like you said, the linebacking core, the offensive line. I'm, I'm sure they always take a wide or a running back at some point. So maybe they take a running you know, back. i was going to bring and, that up. You know,
1: I think they're in the market for one of these veterans we're talking about. Because I think I think the Devin Singletary experiment is probably done, which is going to mean Zach Moss gets the keys next year, and yeah, you're going to you're going to want to supplant him with some sort of veteran. Now, maybe not an Aaron Jones, Chris Carson. You know, I wouldn't go that high in terms of uh, of production slash price, but somebody in the middle of that group, you know, maybe Kenyon Drake, maybe somebody in that group who the price is going to be a little bit lower. I absolutely think that's uh, that's coming for the Bills because, yeah. They're going to want to use these draft picks elsewhere this year. Uh, yes. I think they're going to want you, you're going to need a depth wide receiver somewhere. That's a good, good free agent class as well, by the way. Um, you mentioned Tremaine Edmonds. That's probably an extension candidate as well. Somebody I've left off this list kind of recklessly. He's he'll be headed into year four. He becomes extension eligible along with Josh Allen. And look, that captain of the defense inside linebacker market has gigantically skyrocketed. Okay. I mean, Bobby Wagner, CJ Mosley are making $17, 18000000 a year right now. So that is a that's a point of concern for the Bills, who Edmonds did enough this year. There's no question he is extension ready. It may be a situation where it's Allen or Edmonds, and one gets done this year, one gets done next year. I think Brandon Bean has shown us enough that he is going to stagger these contracts. He is not going to have all the pot, you know, all the money into one pot at one time committed. So my guess would be one or the other. I think either are, are happy to be where it, just be on this team right now, because they're probably the offensive slash defensive captains right now on each side of the ball. So just, just throwing it out there. But I'm not, I don't think, look, if the bills decide I'm signing Edmonds, I'm signing Allen. I don't think that stops him from signing Milano either because they, they can nickel and dime this free agency. That's just what they've been afforded because of the core that they've put together and extended and really intelligently, so Brandon Bean deserves that uh, front office executive yeah, actually, of the year.
0: <laughs> and you make a great point about bringing in a one of these veteran wide uh, running backs mm-hmm. as a free agent, because you know, look what they did with Frank Gore. They brought him in; he was able to contribute. He was able to, you know, teach some of those young kids. And they've been drafting running backs. It seems like every year yeah. for forever. So they they can at least. Go that route that they can get the upgrade because their window, you know, if, if they do extend Allen, you would assume that the extension they're going to make that first year probably keep on the lower side. So if they can hit a home run in this offseason and draft where, you know, before these extensions really balloon, unless they structure them in, a, in, in an interesting manner that is going to help them, you know, for years to come. But when you're talking about an AAV of 40 million with Allen, and then whatever it's going to be with Edmonds, it's going to get expensive really quick. I mean, we've talked about it with the Chiefs. How long can they really sustain what they're going to do, especially when Mahomes' contract really kicks in and those values are, you know, astronomical for the cap hits. So.
1: Something else you can do with Allen, by the way, you can, you can model that contract and really make it team friendly for two years so that you can fit in a couple of these other players. Uh, how about, how about a name like Todd Gurley? Todd Gurley is oh, not old. Todd, Todd Gurley is a little bit banged up, but what it means is Todd Gurley needs somebody to supplement him, and they'll have that with Zach Moss. I think that's a perfect kind of candidate for a, for a one a one B running back core for, for, for the Buffalo bills in 2021. Um, but that's what I mean. It's going to be these smaller one-year deals, something Brandon Bean has been very good at. And it, it may even look like a two-year deal with a second-year option. That's something else that's been popular in this town. So good. it's good news for the Bills off-season. There's no question about that. It's a tough way to finish 2020, but uh, things will be rolling and they're going to throw out some dollars this off-season. There's no question about that. Let's finish with those Chiefs, Scott. Go ahead. I'll let you drive.
0: Yeah. So the chiefs are, you know, they, they have 40 players under contract, but they're at negative 18 million in cash space. So they're going to have to do something to alleviate that at the 175 million cap that we have. Um, they, they have some decisions to make on the offensive side, whether they bring Watkins in, I, I don't think no they're going to retain Watkins. I think he's going to move on and be gone because I mean, they healthy scratched him and he just, he's been a shell of himself. And then again, lady bell, the healthy scratched him. He didn't play. And I think they're just going to move on from him. They've got two running backs that I think they're happy with. Um, and then they'll just have to bring three, honestly.
1: I mean, uh, I mean, they got a kid that opted out this year that should be back in the fold. So they're more than than I think they're more than set in both wide receiver and running back, even with those players out. Uh, but go ahead. It's the offensive line, similar to the Bills conversation it, that needs to be addressed. It here. Is.
0: It is, and it, you know, it, it's an interesting theme across what we've been talking about. Offensive line, offensive line. They have two guys, um, Austin Reeder at 29 years old, and Mike Reemers at 31, yeah. that are, are notable free agents here. Uh, but they're going to have to, they're going to have to make some decisions on what side of the ball they're really going to focus on because they do have some guys on the defensive side that a are, could be extension candidates, as you mentioned here, Honey Badger. You know, yeah. he, he's an extension candidate. But you also have what do you do with Breland and Sorensen? Do you bring those guys back, or do you let them walk and bring somebody else in? Um, so
1: it's going to be another offseason of can they sign anybody? Do you remember this last last winter? We we're like, can they even sign? Can they even afford Mahomes? Well, then like a day later, they made Mahomes a four hundred fifty dollar man and signed everybody else back. That's probably not the case this year. It just feels like they're going to have to no. give a little bit. Um, and look, I, I, the offensive line situation is isn't dire yet, but Loretta Verni Tardif, uh, the, the the doctor who opted out to to go and be a doctor in inside of our pandemic, I'm not sure if he returns. So if he doesn't, he's your starting guard. If he doesn't come back, now you've got a bigger question mark. And then Eric Fisher, their longtime left tackle, just tore his his Achilles last night. So you know. That recovery is going to be lengthy. He's up there in age, so it's not going to be, you know, easy, easy breezy getting him back on the left side of Mahomes. So you start to do the math on this, and it's not that they didn't have a great offensive line in place. They did. It's just that it's either aged out or injured out, or contracts have expired. The good news is, is two, two things. They're gonna, they're gonna expunge their draft on this. That's just where they're going to live, you know, either in the secondary or on the offensive line because everything else is really solid. And two, it's not going to be hard to woo a couple of uh, solid free agents into Kansas City on cheap contracts. They're going to be able mm-hmm. to go that Patriots model, you know? Hey, man, we really need you on the right side of our line, but we can't go over $4 You <laughs> can't do it. You know what I mean? This is all we got. We got to fill some needs here. And, uh, you know, we, we, we're going to be back in that AFC Championship game pretty much without effort. If if we can put you on the right side of this line, it's a pretty easy sell. You know, it's the Belichick sell that he was able to do for two decades. So I expect some real bargains from good players coming into Kansas City this offseason, and that's just how they're going to have to work. And if you know, if Breland and Sorensen and some of these you know valuable but probably overpriced guys now have to walk, that's going to be a casualty that they accept because they'll be able to replace the production at a lower price because they're the chiefs and they've earned that.
0: Do you think this team is going to be a team that has more restructures than normal? Yeah. A la, you know, Frank Clark, Chris Jones. Well, Eric Eric I think they cut
1: Frank Clark if they could, but the dead cap doesn't make it possible. So you probably yeah, have like to Eric- restructure, but Tyreek Hill for sure is getting restructured. He's got a bonus and a big salary. And and I, I, I feel hundred percent. Com- comfortable with pushing some dead cap down the line on Travis Kelsey, who looks like he's at the top of his game right now.
0: Yeah. What, what do you think with Eric Fisher? Cause 2021 and he, yeah. he's going into a contract here. Do, do they restructure him to push it a little more? Do they just go one more year and just deal with it and then move on? I'd be worried um, about retirement with him. Yeah. I'd be and worried about retirement him with
1: him. So I don't know if I and touched I think- the contract just yet. If he wants to come back and he's gonna be a bit of a shell of himself in 2021, maybe you go the Anthony Costanzo route that the Colts did, which is basically sign him to a two year deal, somewhat front loaded, you know, reduced get dead cap. It's basically just a big roster bonus. Um he's earned that too. I mean, that's a former number one overall pick right there, if you don't remember that. And uh yeah, he's paid his dues on a lot of bad teams and it's kind of good to see him be successful. So this is a brutal way to kind of finish what I guess could be his career, but I think if he wants to be back and he's going to put the work in to recover, then yes, some sort of restructured contract that moves more money into 2022 makes sense. If he's going to be, you know, basically uh, 50% of himself in 2021. Yeah. My point is this um, I, I kind of crushed the Chiefs for paying everybody last year. They won't make the mistake again this year. You're going to see some of these players walk. It's just going to be how it operates. So, There'll be some changes in Kansas City for 2021, but I don't think it'll ha- it'll be significant. I don't be uh, you got a team for Sammy Watkins? Oh, it's kind of an interesting name I because he's been a great third option, you know, I guess maybe a fourth option at times. Can he be a number 2? Is he, you know, he's not old. <laughs> he's just not old. He's 27 years old. This is generally when guys are making 100 million dollars in, in terms of wide receivers. Can he be somebody's number two? Like, could the Bears throw Sammy Watkins in right now?
0: I, I, I only I see him as like a wide receiver three or four at this point. Yeah, I, I, I don't think the production is there. I, I, I think a team could bring him in for the veteran presence, the experience. You know, uh, winning the Super Bowl and everything that's gone in with what he's been with the Chiefs. But I, I don't see a team throwing a lot of money at him at all. Uh, you know, I, I I think his days are numbered. He's a Florida just... guy,
1: and the Dolphins need a bunch of wide receiver help. So I, that's my initial assessment. Is he probably winds up in Miami or the Jets, kind of in a similar situation? But yeah, I don't I don't know that he I don't know that he's getting WR two pay. Let's put it that way. He may end up having WR two production if he can kind of resurrect himself. Um. So that, that's a tough contract to evaluate right now, but I bet you uh, I bet you he finds himself on a contender, let's put it that way, because of the experience he's built up with the Rams now and with this Chiefs team. Uh, that's going to be as valuable as whatever he can do in terms of receptions on the field. So probably goes to a team that, that, that can win some ball games like, like Miami, for instance, and makes them better. But probably, you know, his days of big time contracts are probably behind him, unfortunately. All right, anything else on these four teams? no so we've I got riders retiring we've got brady extending himself for two more years <laughs> uh, extending what else we got here josh allen going about 160 over four yeah this is uh these are four teams to watch there's no question about it um you know i don't see any sweeping changes in kansas city And no, and why would they this is like i said this is the miami heat <laughs> right this is you got your big three you you can tinker with their money to make it work for everybody else but it's uh It's good, and they're going to be the favorites heading into the Super Bowl week. There's no question about that. By the way, we'll finish on where we started. Uh, I expect that line to get bet down. I bet you the Chiefs are a five-six point favorite by the time this thing gets to Super Bowl Sunday. I I just, I have a feeling. I think it's too low right now.
0: Okay, we'll see. (laughs) Tampa
1: Bay is that they've been they've been aggressively reckless. Let me put it that way. Yeah. They, they have not been yeah. a great team. Tom Brady threw three second-half interceptions and he threw two moon balls. Just fly balls to center field. That both should have been picked. Only one was. But um, you know, that's not that's not an offense ticking on all cylinders. Let's put it that way, where it's Kansas City. That is absolutely the case. And if it's going to be a shootout like the over-under says it's going to be, I'm I'm going to guess that Kansas City gets the 30 before Tampa Bay does. So I think that thinking's going to come into play. We saw with that Tampa Bay Green Bay game. I don't know if you watched the lines. I did. The big bettors, the professionals, they bet the hell out of Tampa Bay Sunday morning, Scott. Did you see that line yeah. move?
0: I, I heard that. I was listening to some stuff this morning and I heard that the, all those guys, they came in real late and bet Tampa Bay heavy. Uh, so they they knew something. Oh, yeah. Well, or waited specifically because they knew everyone was going the Packers route and then they jumped in on the, the Tampa Bay side.
1: It's incredible. And I expect it to happen again, but not with Tampa Bay. I expect the money to come in big on Kansas City. I know you're not going to, you know, you're not doubling up your money betting the favorite. But I think at the end of the day, after two weeks of exhaustive talking about this, um, you know, people are going to come to their senses and realize this is just not, Kansas City is not a normal team. This is not, you know, this is a high functioning, extremely complicated offense with ridiculous athletes who are the, at the peak of their positions. I mean, there's just no question about it. They can do whatever they want. They didn't even use Harbin yesterday. They didn't even use him. <laughs> I mean, he is he is a dynamic WR3 right now who is as good as anybody out there. So th- there's so many options. It's just ridiculous. So I do expect that num- minus three to move down to the fives and sixes by the time this thing gets to it. But we'll have plenty of time to talk about all those kind of prop bets and uh, over-unders and money yep. lines and things like that with Cousin Dan look, soon.
0: Look, yeah, let me let, let me pose you this question because I just looked it up. I looked it up last night too, but I going to take your guess here. How, what do you think the Super Bowl tickets are going for right now because, you know, oh, limited, limited, fans, right. limited fans, limited fans, uh, limited, yeah, it's in it's in Tampa Bay, so the home team. Where where do you think the 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 quote unquote, "cheapest" price for a ticket is right now?
1: Well, I know the AFC Championship game was like 1400 to 4000. So I'm gonna double that. I'm gonna say twenty eight hundred dollars right now.
0: Nope. Way higher. Okay, hit me. So in the corner nosebleed, we're talking eighty five to <laughs> eighty seven hundred per ticket. If Brady <laughs> wins, does he walk away? No. No, nope, I think 45 okay. is his mark. And if he, if he has that set, I think he wants to If Brady get 45. If, if Brady wins by crush. throwing a
1: game winning touchdown pass to Rob Gronkowski, does he walk oh. away? Oh. <laughs> no,
0: he doesn't. I think he wants to crush every record imaginable. And yeah. he, you know, he, even with this, I know it's going to be talked to, to blue in the face. But even this record of him playing in a Super Bowl that's a home team, you know, he's breaking records that people don't even realize that are there. So he he's just racking them up one after another. And people are going to have to pay to see this Super Bowl. I almost died when I saw eighty five hundred per ticket. I was like, oh, man, that's just insane, Uh, especially in a pandemic where people, you know, they're watching their money. um, But. You know, It is what it is and people are going to pay it.
1: We got plenty of time to get there. Good stuff, Scott. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I just posted this offseason outlook on spottrek.com uh, outlining these four teams in terms of the free agents and the cap and all that situation. So that's live as of this morning. We've got our roster bubble, our trade candidates, our extension candidates. I will continue to update those as things become available. Um, interesting. I mean Aaron Rodgers is nothing if not interesting let's put it that way <laughs> and uh, he's going to be the guy to watch here amidst this Super Bowl conversation because if he decides to walk away well man everything changes everything the entire NFL landscape is going to move so we didn't even get to Matthew Stafford Matthew Stafford's going to be out no surprise yeah I got to I got to finish on this when did uh, is it just impossible to keep secrets now I'm serious. So. Is, is, it, no. is Twitter just made? It's just made it impossible. There's too many people working in, inside who who know too much and have Twitter accounts and just leaked it. I, I, I don't. I don't understand it. If the point is to trade Matthew Stafford, why are the Lions tweeting? <laughs> We're going to be moving on from Matthew Stafford this offseason.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I, there is no poker. There face must not any- be. A,
1: it must be impossible to keep it a secret. Must be. You don't tell Adam Schefter you're going to trade. You're going to trade Matthew Stafford, and then expect to get a first round pick for Matthew Stafford. It's just not going to happen. I mean, I hope it happens. It's going to be Indy, right?
0: Oh, that would be a great. Spot. Yeah, it's Indy.
1: But is yeah. Indy going to get up? But first, is how many teams are actually in on Matthew Stafford? San Fran,
0: uh, maybe Washington,
1: Washington, Indy. So there's three. Yeah, it's going to be a first round pick. All right. First round pick to Indy. <laughs> let's, let's finish on that. Good stuff, Scott. My thanks to The Athletic. Visit TheAthletic.com slash SpotTrack, S-P-O-T-R-A-C for 40% off your first year subscription. Check out OLBG.com, the online betting guide. Get yourself into those NBA championship pick for free, win cash prizes, and become a better gambler at the same time. For Scott Allen, my name is Mike Giannetti. Thanks for listening to this edition of The SpotTrack Podcast.